0: The Uncertain Chapter 4 Pain I was trying my best not to fight my fatigue. Maybe that's what was keeping me awake. The battle to stop the battle between my mind and myself. I could once again measure the momentum of memories and the very reason why memories hold such importance. They not only allow us to remember the little things about ourselves that need to be emphasized, they also give us insight into the overlooked exact nature of why we are the things we must endure, the small things that hold the greatest of impacts for all of us, whether they're good or bad. The truth about where I'd once been and what I'd come to afterward was an example I'd forgotten of, of aches, deception, in its most extensive form. Pain occurs because of the past. It does not matter where someone is from or where he or she intends to be, pain has had a hand in shaping where they presently stand. This recognition came as I let out a slow exhale, trying hard to allow myself to rest. That was my only goal still. I couldn't help but wonder what it would have taken for change to happen, what would it have taken for all of us to understand. My intention was briefly brought back to the book, its unknown substances prodding in my mind. no. Not now, I don't need to think about that book now, I just want to rest, hopefully, have a good dream this time. I began to place the blame for my pain on it, in it. How is it, one book, nothing more than pages filled with words, how is it such a thing can cause me to feel so detached? Why is it this thing can cause me to be so annoyed when it projects such obligated beginnings? It's a disease, this curiosity of mine. It always has been, and I suppose always will be. I know what I want, but I am intimidated by what I might see while trying to get what I want. Or, what if once I get there, I find that what I thought I wanted was nothing, and that all I have wanted was an illusion? Would I still then be considered crazy? Is it crazy to simply hope for something more when all I have been told is that nothing matters? that makes no sense. If nothing matters yet, I've always had this urge to be granted more than what is it I'm truly seeking? Some sense of self-worth, or perhaps it's simpler than that. Maybe wanting to find something with any kind of worth, anything worthwhile is the point. If so, then why is it hope has become so hurtful in this conquest that so many before me have ventured on? History, showed us exactly what to avoid, but oddly those are the lessons we chose to ignore. All we came to know was pain, being influenced to inflict it on others and ourselves because it was our common ground, our only common ground. So the idea that was depicted as our mission of change and prosperity turned out to be our social death. Our defiance was the burden that brought on conflict. Conflicting precedents of solitude and companionship were the problem, obstacles that appeared in darkness, darkness that we initiated. We, the blinded fools, hesitant to move with indecisive yelling in opposite directions, only adding to the conundrum. Within us all, two characters sit internally, begging for a resolve to be reached, our hearts, the stubborn voice, and our minds, the selfish brute their dissatisfaction intensifying over time with no answer ever seeming to calm them. Nothing but disagreement and divergence based on the notion that time was in abundance. We couldn't see past our own quarrels to the real issues. Conceit and self-satisfaction were our only ambition. We wasted time. I howled as I stood up and rubbed my hands over my eyes out of some sort of desperation, but I knew it was more than likely exhaustion. The darkness of the room became eerily reminiscent of my own undistinguished, darkened outlook. It was late at night. I knew that much, but what time, I couldn't say. Outside, I could see flashes of light every so often. I hadn't even noticed it had started to rain. Usually, I'd hear the rain and appreciate it as being a sign of purification, but to me, This was not a typical rain. The smell that came with it didn't bring comfort. Instead, it hinted at turmoil, of which I knew I'd fall victim to. It was all there. The whole time, just waiting for us to notice. I hated my mind, loathed it for its constant inquisitions. Yet, as I began to think about my time as a child in my favorite place, where the hill and sun seemed to collide perfectly, I understood. That was always only... Momentary, because at one point or another I knew I'd have to go back to the truth. I'd have to leave all my bliss in that one spot and become once again something less than delighted. That was the difference knowingly getting used to not being where and who I wanted. Self torment and ridicule were my ways of coping with what I feared I'd lose. Endless harassment because I'd to hurt so others would accept me as one of them and not see me as the outsider. Therein lay the tragedy, to have wanted so badly to fit in that we compromised our own worth and sanity to do so. An idea that had been vastly spread over hundreds of years of time was, if a person was not feeling hurt or let down in life, then life is being lived incorrectly. Our innate passion for wanting to be accepted and fit in and not be seen as different was the reason this message continued to spread out of fear. Making a difference became seen as an unmitigated lie. It could best be compared to being in the dark. Being in the dark, stuck in some kind of wilderness and pretending to know which way to go. No matter how long you walk or how determined a person is, walking in the wrong direction will always be walking in the wrong direction. Dark or light, it doesn't matter because the choice has been made. The only real truth that we allowed to thrive was fear. And in that fear, we allowed ourselves to grasp an ironic hand of death. We all made seemingly selfless sacrifices, but in reality, they were simply unnecessary. I should know. I slowly rose up and stepped off the couch, walking uncomfortably toward the window. Why does it need to be dark? I can see everything with each lightning strike, then nothing. Not one hint as to what awaits. No sign as to what is headed my way. In my angst, I'd grown unsatisfied with a past I was never really a part of. It was not mine to judge, it was not mine to haul onto my shoulders, and perhaps that's why it annoyed me. The scent of hope is a now hopeless situation, yet I still held onto it. It's much too late for anything to be done about things that have already happened, so then why is it I hope to see an unseen clue as if the solution lay in my hands? I can't be blamed for the misfortunes handed down to me, yet still, again, I have a hope that something can change them. That if I were to see their origin, even if it was something that happened a long time ago, then maybe it'll change what is now regrettably mine. Maybe. The other side of me seemed to disagree, the more incapable side seemed to think I was wrong. There's nothing I can do. There is no begging or pleading with what has happened, it has been done. I was granted no say in what has become of this world, but I am forced to live in it. No, I am constantly reminded of how others fail to function in it. So, really, hope was something that was only heard and not seen. To have been granted, hope meant that ache and pain would soon follow. I didn't want to trust that, that this was all there was. I didn't want this to be all that ever was supposed to be. The difference between living and surviving is a small margin, but one step in either direction can change everything. It was not enough to survive as many things were lost, and living came at a very high price. What happened to the middle ground? Then I remember seeing posters, placards, and signs all with the same message. A functional human being is a working human being. Later on, someone new decided that the term human being was too empowering and instead changed those words to world. That didn't last long, so they decided to design an entirely new saying to feed into your minds. If the world is to continue to function, then we must all continue to work. It became unethical to live to be happy. It became inconceivable for any people to commit to something bigger than themselves, even though day in and day out, leaders and influential groups would claim they themselves did. With each passing day, each passing year, and eventually with each passing breath, we all took one more step into darkness, neglecting the voice inside that was warning us of what was ahead. There were moments of clarity and peace, flashes of light, but those were short-lived. We seemed to only focus on the dark that would follow. That light came in the shape of people, of ideas, and as unmetaphoric clear skies, but it was always smothered because learning to adapt and change was said to be the reason everything had become so bad for all of us in the first place. We don't really remember those. The people are not seen as a group of individuals, they are seen as unfortunate losses, Ideas rekindled in darkness meant to help lead us back to where we began are seen as failures because they didn't give us answers fast enough. They didn't produce what we've convinced ourselves we want and deserve, so they were discarded. In our lost state of being, we didn't take the time to simply turn around when the darkness was hidden by daylight. We didn't take the time to stop and think of what might be behind us because we assumed we knew the answer. We'd walked from what we left behind us, walked in search of the complete solution. At times, we may have even sped up in an attempt to outrun a traumatic experience we had caused, running from some form of uncertainty, thinking fleeing from uncertainty is better than facing uncertainty. All we focused on was the bad. We built our history on the basis of obliterating any further harm to ourselves. We live in fear and die in regret, perhaps... It has always been death. We've had in common. Death is what we pretended to accept. So, thinking we knew everything about an eternal nothing, we took it for granted. We used it as an excuse to harm one another, admitting to ourselves, everybody dies eventually, because life is a war zone and all war zones have casualties. Statements such as these would become the cause of further self-destruction. We thought, We knew that death was painful. We thought we comprehended the reason for our existence. We merely imagined our triumph, for the reality was greater than we could ever know. There were once thriving people, communities, but now what resides of them all is memory, not just in one place, but all over the world, ruins of the fallen inhabitants that seemed so sure they wouldn't fail. Yet as death became the most widely accepted of realities, said places became the victims of their own arrogance. As it was once agreed that death was painful to only the deceased, the departed, the living inhabitants of the world need not bother themselves with the worry of what would come. To us, death seemed swift, coming and going in the swoop of a breath. Even in this, we were proven wrong. The wind began to pick up outside. I could hear it howling, begging to be let in, the rain falling heavily against the windows, desperately trying to disturb what small comfort I had somehow managed to obtain. A funny thing about the rain, at times it may seem friendly and light, but most often it only cares about itself, doing only what it thinks it should do based on the influences around it. I thought to myself and recognized, we are often like the rain, falling, following no path but that which we are pushed or pulled into. I suppose, if not for the influences of outer sources, all we would ever do or have done was fall. There I stood, straining to make out raindrops just before they broke against the window. Then again, the forces that have often seemed to capture us in a moment were really catching up to us tolerantly over time. It seems as though we've always been incomprehensible specks falling towards some unknown destination, and only when outside forces presume to give us some sort of direction do we think we've stopped our true nature. What I'd come to understand based on the few times I'd witnessed death is that it's not swift, nor is it easy to be taken in death, to lose something once believed to be the right of an individual. Our only right is to live and to influence others to do the same. Yet again, as we walk through an everlasting shadow, we didn't take the time to fathom the deadly shape of our own. The tattered skin, the chaotic tears, tears, the apprehensive smile on hands and feet soaked in blood. As we walked, we trod over ourselves, not stopping to help or see what direction the broken bodies lay. We maintained that all of us, in the end, die, no matter what, and use this to justify not filling our empty lives. We expected to believe in what had been brought to our attention through ambiguity rather than believe in the inconsolable reflections that were all around us. There was... Not only anguish in our past, but lessons to be learned, as most of what we feared had been self-inflicted. In the very spot from which we began, our trudge were two solutions, not meant to be marveled at for days at a time, or to have one seen as more important than the other, rather to be acknowledged as a pair and seen as equals. It was just the rain and me now. I didn't notice the flashes of light, and I didn't notice the darkness of the room. Just you and me. Face to face. I should know. I should know you as I've seen you numerous times in my life. I should know. I should know what it is you'll push me to understand, but I should also know that you only hold one half of the torn picture. I should know. That you and I are a pair. We are equals I've never tried to outshine you but you have often forced yourself into my state of being again i could see my faint reflection in the window drops of rain hitting hard in order to infiltrate the illusion it's interesting to see you from this perspective to be on the inside where i guess is where you usually are you fall and plunder into my persona and have no care of what you cause i know my control over you is an illusion I know that you and I have had numerous confrontations that resulted in my dissatisfaction. I ask you, why? What was the point in going through such a horrendous affair? Maybe this is the point. Maybe this point right here, where I stand and you fall aimlessly, wanting me to join you. You're no more better at falling than I am at standing. We may both start out with stubborn determination, but in the end, we are equals, tired and brought down by our own disgrace. I should know. I've been doing it for a long time now. This is not me proposing a truce simply because I know that it wouldn't be in your character. No. Instead, I offer you comfort, the same comfort you've granted me. You may do what you wish, but I'll not stop and I'll not quit simply because it is convenient for you. I turned away and couldn't help but smile, not because I knew I'd won a long-standing battle. I smiled because I knew that the pain of the past and future was a storm I would just have to get through. The rain this night didn't let up, yet I was able to forget about it completely. I knew that because of this unknown shelter I'd stumbled upon, I was safe from a familiar foe. It had granted me new senses, or possibly just reopened old ones. Either way, the smile on my face was the acknowledgement of the shelter arranged by uncertainty. For that, in this very moment, I was content. Life and living don't go hand in hand. This had often been the common misconception. Life is the essence of all things, and all things share life. Living was defined as capturing a moment or stealing a moment. Living was said to be the product of one's person's obligations toward him or herself. In truth, living is something we have to be made to do together. Just as we must eat or drink or breathe, so did we need to learn to live. Out of necessity, death, all the while, is slow, patient, and unforgiving. It doesn't care for preparation, nor does it heed the rules of time. From the moment we're born, death isn't far behind, waiting for the slightest hint of irresponsibility so that it may remind those around us what ignorance costs. Still, that was our source of pride. Ignorance. Within death, only then do we recognize beauty. We embellish each and every instant as it is given to us, but still. In our haste, in our greed, death became irrelevant and only promiscuous and pointless victories became prominent. Our veins pulsated with devastating longing. We relished in causing the chaos of others, but most entertained of ideas was the thought of seeing ourselves on top of our fellow human beings. The insatiable want to prove who was the best was not accomplished by all of us, but by one of us, or a small group of us. Here my mind and heart found common ground, but this didn't ease me as I imagined it would. I could feel the two beginning to cooperate, but the thought of living in such a world where the claim of an idea was much greater than the idea itself could ever be made me feel something familiar. There was a burning, a grueling, fretful feeling. I wasn't certain if what I was feeling was the very thing those before me who had allowed such atrocities had felt just because they explicitly unleashed pain onto themselves. I was was angry. I was sad, I was hurt, and the only thing I could bring myself to say again was, How could we allow such a thing to happen? Just how? This propelled me to get up again. I was pacing. In my mind, I was running, running to reach anything and everything that I saw enter my mind while trying my best not to stumble. How? How did we go from having such great potential to wanting nothing more than to harm one another? How? Is it individuals were produced over time only to be struck down by the excuse that the world wasn't ready for change? How? How could so much destruction be allowed, while care and understanding were given no second thought? Inside, I was burning, feverish, with self-guilt and angst, trembling out of disappointment. No, not disappointment. I was trembling because I'd grown cold. In all my movement, I'd somehow started to snuff my fire. It was beginning to dwindle down. I'd become too distracted in my search for our lost society's apathy to notice. I fed it with a few more bits of paper, taking a seat back on the couch, folding my arms across my chest, reminding myself I'd have to keep an eye on the fire until I was able to rest. Can I rest? I couldn't help but think of the pointless persecutions we claimed were our right to bestow onto others. In any way we're able to think of, we destroyed the worlds of others all because we felt our world and their world were vastly different. There was no emotion in our tone of reckoning, no empathy within our visions of dismay. We felt obligated to pursue the slaughter of charted ideals. A man could be without a woman, but a woman without a man was worth less than nothing. A child was deprived of innocence if they chose to believe in something more than what they could see. A family that was forced to live with nothing was still forced to give up everything when the child was called to help wage war. A broken heart was not often fixed in the ways it should have been, but a jaded mind was always fed and well-nourished. Certain images were depicted as perfection, while the truth of a person's body image was seen with disgust. Wealth became the source for determining what a person should receive, but what we'd become accustomed to seeing as wealth not soon after, was acknowledged as destitution. What was once an inclination of prosperity soon after became the very definition of poverty, not just for a select few for all. Like a stillborn baby to an anxious set of parents, an opportunity for the best of miracles became the worst of circumstances, all of us attempting to grasp what we could only hope had been a nightmare, hopelessly grasping for air in an attempt to wake ourselves hands stretched out in desperation, wishing, wanting, and waiting to be pulled back to just before the sudden moment of despair. We all knew there was no going back because what we left behind were lessons to be remembered as history. We'd rather suffer and wallow in angst of where we had been instead of move forward with caution due to the experience we'd gotten through together. It had taken us numerous decades to realize how to admit our faults on a worldwide level. Our own imperfections had been put on display, but still we seemed to thrive on discomfort. On our own, yes, but unfortunately more so on the agony of those around us, as it was implicated to deny whomever of anything and everything we all deeply yearn for. I could only ask myself, how did we do it? I have gone from having no will to live to being determined to succeed. That was my triumph, but what is one person's triumph amidst a world focused on failures. No rest will be granted to me tonight, not when my mind has been persuaded by the unrest of the past. Unfortunately, this had become kind of a routine, a tediously provocative occurrence, and I still had yet to figure out why. Why I'd come to this place, how I'd come to feel distressed for things I'd not been around to witness. Perhaps, in the quick and brutal action of wanting to claim victory, only more had been lost. More of what was needed was buried as a result of the desire for less precious commodities. The only thing I could think to have happened, the only thing I was able to understand, was we killed each other. Slowly, but surely. In our haste to reach the top, we failed to help those who struggled down below. We assumed it was a one-person climb. Only one could make it to the top in order to represent us all, but none of us stopped to think of what was really going on. As a few of us hastily made our way up, we didn't realize we were crushing those beneath us. We didn't realize the reason the top seemed so far away was because we'd never gotten more than a few feet off the ground. Those below weren't being used to push off of. They'd been used as a pathway. They were beginning to buckle under our feet, and if we fell, we wouldn't land on our feet, but rather, we'd be buried beneath them. As many continued to jump and attempt to climb up, the people they thought had no purpose would decay at their feet, unable to help them achieve their false victory. Soon, all would become known as the unacknowledged. We've never been made to succeed on our own. We're made and placed here to help one another achieve clarity and truth. We're not meant to ascend up without the help of others. So had those on top simply reached down and grabbed the hands of those struggling beneath them, then no one would have been left to wallow in agony, grief, and despair. No one person or group of people is meant to come out of life untouched. If we'd been able to live properly, then as we reach the top, we would have all been able to acknowledge the wear and tear made on our hands from the climb up. What pains me the most, knowing there's nothing I can do about it. If only the simple thing had been done, if only the minuscule task had been perceived, so many could have been saved, but more so, so much time could have been spared and spent on greater things. I stood in silence, feeling powerless and ashamed. Outside, There was the wind and the rain. Inside, a somewhat still-burning candle and a bucket of fire. A small, poorly-kept bucket. And what was I to expect? No one had been here for a long time now. No one was going to bother keeping anything in this place. And why should they? What is the significance of a forgotten home to a person who doesn't understand what a home should be? Why should I even care of what this place looks like or feels like? What is there to stop me from tearing everything apart and setting fire to it all? Sure, the rain would most likely stop it from spreading, but in here, there'd be no hope, nothing for anyone else to find or use or claim for their own selfish needs. I stopped and briefly contemplated the consequences. Could I actually do it? Would I truly be able to tip the bucket and walk away knowing absolutely nothing would be left? And what if the raindrops? In my exasperated focus, they'd be forced to make haste and their gentle and steady fall would then turn into a pointless execution of saving this forgotten place. Outside, I could hear the small taps of rain hitting the window, countless drops falling. I wondered if the drops raced each other from the sky, each one trying its hardest to fall before any of the others. No. No. Raindrops don't race to see which one is best, nor do they have a desire to prove so. They simply fall, freely and without concern, because they know it may be the only chance they have to enjoy what little time they are given. The possibility of a collision with a fellow raindrop is a privilege, if and when it happens. Otherwise, they know they don't need to obsess over such a thing in order to complete their purpose. It's in this overlooked of occurrences that rain helped me understand in that one night what many before me couldn't understand in decades and lifetimes. If all we ever allow ourselves to know is pain, then how can we ever expect to benefit from all we've come to know and the many things we still struggle to understand? This is all we've done for a long time. Focused on the pain caused by others wishing to only in return cause pain to them along with the many others who seem to Get in our way. That's how we died. Our mistake was thinking we knew what our mistake was. The rain had begun to slow to a drizzle, and the wind had died down, or perhaps it had simply moved on. We thought we could outthink the collective of our minds. We tried desperately to tip the scale in our favor as to outweigh the repercussions of our insensitive logic. We were wrong on the grandest of scales. I looked down at the fire as I threw in half the remaining pile of papers. I was warm, but it was no longer tiring and conspiratorial warmth from within me. The fire was keeping me warm, and I knew I'd begun to relax. I looked over at the candle, a quarter of the way from being burned out. You'll be getting tossed in here soon, my friend. But I promise, it's not out of hatred, simple necessity, I assure you. How odd that I reassure the candle of its death so easily. Odder still that I'd grown to care for such a thing as a nearly dead candle. After all, I was just using it for exactly what it was meant for. To be burned away, lit, and then extinguished by its own hand. All candles are made with only a certain length of wick. After that, their purpose was complete. But to think... Think of all the things they're a part of in their short life, all the things they can inspire in the small bit of light that can make all the difference in the most unsettling darkness. They probably care less about what will happen to them than what they help to accomplish. Maybe candles don't burn out. It's also possible that they burn up. They reach towards a point higher than themselves because they can. They glow because they must, but when they die, they die for a reason. I could see the candle start to fade, and I started to feel the weight of what it might have gone through before gasping for its last bits of oxygen. I tried to tie my breathing to the wick's steady puffs. Big breath, slow exhale. Big breath, slow exhale. Big breath, slow exhale. Yawn. Big breath in.